Welcome to the Diabetes Canada Healthcare Huddle, a podcast that invites healthcare professionals to listen in on the discussion as we explore a diabetes-related topic. Each episode, we will present a case study, then have a conversation with an expert about the clinical challenge. Finally, we will revisit the case and see how we can apply our new knowledge and tools. The topic of today's session is weight-inclusive care. My name is Dr. Sarah Stafford. I'm an endocrinologist in Surrey, BC, and I'm joined by my colleague, Gail McNeil, who's a diabetes educator and clinical nurse specialist from Toronto. And we have a wonderful guest speaker today, Dr. Sue Peterson. Dr. Sue has a busy clinical practice at the C Endo Diabetes and Endocrinology Clinic in Calgary. She is involved extensively in clinical research for diabetes and obesity as principal and or national lead investigator in many clinical trials. She is a member of the expert committee for the 2018 Diabetes Canada guidelines and the lead author of the pharmacotherapy chapter on the 2020 Canadian obesity guidelines. Dr. Peterson has become a leading voice on how to treat diabetes and obesity and educates healthcare professionals globally. She has a public information website about weight management and diabetes that you can find at www.drsue.ca. So we're very excited that she'll be joining us today to talk about weight inclusive care. And I think this is an issue that we encounter every day in our clinical practices. And Gail, I know that this is something you've encountered. And can you tell us a bit about a situation where this came up? Well, thank you, Sarah, and I'm excited to hear from Dr. Sue on this topic because as an educator working with people every day in diabetes, this obesity issue has become a huge concern. One example, for instance, I have a Joyce, she's a 54-year-old patient, and she's had type 2 diabetes for 10 years, and at the time of diagnosis, she was put on metformin, and she's still not taking metformin at this point in time. But over the COVID period, the last couple of years, her A1C has gone up to 8.6%. So she was referred to our diabetes education center. Now, in our initial conversation with her, she um, tells me she's a grade four teacher. And she found that teaching from home was really difficult during the COVID period. And she knows she put on weight. Um, although her comment to me, which was really startling, is she says, I've always been fat. So this rise in the blood sugars has got nothing to do with, with this weight issue. Now, as an educator, I had so much I wanted to share with her, and I really wanted to get into the topic about her weight, but I didn't know how to start the conversation. So, Dr. Sue, how do you start this conversation with a patient who seems to have sort of discarded it or put it off to the side, and yet it seems to be a huge issue? Her, A1's, her um, A1C is 8.6%, and her BMI went from 31 to 33 during this time period, but her comment was, you know, I'm fat, always have been, so what? <laughs> What do you do with this? How do you start a conversation, Dr. Sue? Well, thanks, Gales. You know, it's such a great question that so many healthcare providers have on their mind because we really have had very little education in obesity and how to talk about obesity with our patients and how to assess it and how to counsel patients and, and how to support them in its management. So in the Canadian Obesity Guidelines, which we published in 2020, we recommend following the five A's of obesity, uh, which is asking permission to talk about obesity, assessing their story, advising on management, agreeing on goals, and assisting patients achieving their goals by overcoming any uh, drivers or barriers related to their weight struggle. And when we open up that conversation, 
asking permission is really important. So uh, your patient Joyce has already sort of talked about her weight. You know, she sort of said that she has always struggled with her weight, uh, but it sounds like she is a little bit um, maybe uh, resistant or reluctant to talk about it or to uh, maybe she doesn't understand how the relationship of weight with her diabetes and so forth. So I would open the conversation saying, um, Joyce, I, I, I hear you saying, uh, you know, a few things commenting about your weight. Is it okay if we talk about that today? And saying it in that way really opens up. It shows that you're empathetic. It shows that you're uh, open to having an empathetic conversation and that you're not accusing a patient. They'll often uh, have felt a lot of bias and stigma, and we'll come to that in a minute, over the course of their journey with their weight. It might be very defensive, and I can already feel that from what you're telling me, Joyce is quite defensive about talking about weight. So we want to open it by asking permission. The next thing we want to do is assess for causes, contributors, and comorbidities related to that person's weight. And what we recommend here is using the four M's of obesity, which is um, mechanical, mental health, metabolic, and the social milieu are sort of the four categories. And under metabolic, of course, falls diabetes. And we know clearly that there is a very powerful relationship with carrying higher weight and diabetes, uh, risk of diabetes, uh, elevation in glycemia, and so forth. In fact, 90% of people with type 2 diabetes have overweight or obesity. So it's very, very common. And we also know that sugars are exquisitely sensitive to even a little bit of weight loss. So in our discussion with Joyce, it, uh, I would say to her, you know, um, I, 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 you, have, you do have diabetes. And after she's agreed to, you know, being open to talking about weight, I would say, you know, I, I see that um, you do carry elevated body weight. And we know that there is actually a really strong relationship with diabetes and a higher body weight. And one of the great things here is that we have wonderful medications that can not only help to control your diabetes, but can also be very beneficial to help you in your weight management journey. So we see now that there's a potential for treatment where we can marry the goals of helping the patient manage her weight and treating her diabetes. Because we know that when we are managing weight in the goals for obesity management, it's not about the numbers on the scale. It's about improving health. And in this case here, we're focusing on improving the control of her diabetes. So I think that's fabulous that we're linking the issue that she's brought up with the health issue we're assessing there today and trying to draw together the importance of these two issues and dealing with them together. I just wonder if, if Gail were in a clinical situation where there was a patient where she thought that obesity might be an important issue to assess or address, um, how might she bring that issue up if the patient didn't bring it up on their own? And how might she be able to ask that question sensitively or determine if the patient were ready to engage on that topic? Yeah, so I, I, you know, again, I would just ask the patient, about, I'd say, you know, I, I noticed that when we measured your weight and your height today, that you carry an elevated body weight relative to your height. Is it okay if we talk about that today? So really important here is that we want to show our patient that we don't have any bias about obesity. We don't have preconceived notions about obesity. And a lot of that actually has to do with the wording. So it, it sounds like maybe it's not a big deal, but it's actually a very, very big deal. And that is because most patients who struggle with weight have experienced some bias 
from a family member, from judgment from a healthcare provider, it's even more of an issue than it is amongst the general population. So I recommend to always think about obesity as a diagnosis. It's not a description of a person. So I would never use the word obese. I, I would like to see that eliminated from the English language completely, actually. We would never say Mark is cancer. We would say Mark has cancer. So why would we use the term obesity any differently? right? It's a diagnosis. So when we're talking about obesity, we also need to think about ourselves, you know, look inside ourselves and think about whether we may have any preconceived notions around obesity. Many healthcare providers do. And it, a lot of it comes down to the fact that we just don't get good education around understanding that obesity is a chronic lifestyle condition. It's not a choice. It's not about telling a patient to just simply eat less and be more active because that actually doesn't work. And we'll talk about the pillars of obesity treatment in a minute. One more point on bias is not only to make sure that we don't present any bias to our patients, but also to assess whether a patient may have their own internalized bias. And Joyce using uh, the F word, I have trouble saying it out loud, so I won't, but <laughs> Joyce using the F word actually tells me that she, and the way she was describing it, tells me that she has some internalized weight bias. She does not feel good about herself in, in her weight management journey. And part of the treatment of her um, overall picture and helping her support, uh, support her in weight management is going to be about addressing that internalized weight bias. Because we know that people who have better uh, a feeling about themselves and don't have that internalized weight bias will actually do better in the long run. And of course that will make help her to feel better about herself and give her better quality of life hopefully as well. Excellent. I think that was so helpful to really pick up on our own internal biases and also the way the patient is speaking about their experiences, because we really need to understand their psychology, their own experiences and their goals in order to help them moving forward. So we've talked about the first A in the five A's framework for obesity management, and that was asking. And we've talked a bit about assessing. We've talked about uh, determining goals, looking at bias biases, the framework of assessing the root causes of weight gain, mechanical, metabolic, mental, and social milieu, those four M's. Are there any kind of objective criteria that we want to address as well in that initial assessment phase before we go on to management? So, you know, actually in the guidelines, we, we try, really try to take the focus off of the numbers on the scale. Um, in fact, we always make sure to ask permission even to weigh a patient. So don't assume a patient's okay with being weighed. Sometimes that actually is associated with a lot of negative feelings and can really set people off on, on the wrong foot. So ask permission before you even put them on the scale. Uh, so we really try, we, we do calculate BMI still. It's important for, uh, you know, following the patient's trajectory and population data and so forth, but it's not really the goal. Weight the numbers on the scale are not the goal. Uh, there is the Edmonton Obesity Staging System, which uh, can classify a patient based on their comorbidities uh, related to their uh, obesity. If they have a, uh, like pre-diabetes, they'd be stage one. If they have diabetes, they're stage two. If they have diabetes with retinopathy, they're stage three. And uh, diabetes with renal failure on dialysis would be stage four. So those could be examples. But, uh, you know, personally, I don't actually focus too much on that because that class classification doesn't really mean much to the patient. And really, I'm here to improve their mechanical health, their mental health, their metabolic health, and their quality of life. 
uh, and not to change the, you know, do something with the numbers and the staging system that's not meaningful to a patient. But we, we can use that classification if you find that helpful within your own practice. That's great. Thanks for that perspective, Sue. And so we've covered ask and we've covered assess. Now we're going to move on to advise. And you've already mentioned these three pillars of obesity management. Yeah, so this is a really key point, and I'm going to turn some people's worlds on their head in what I'm about to say. And this is really the approach to obesity management that we advocate in the Canadian Obesity Guidelines. Now, the three pillars of obesity management are not diet and exercise, okay? It's neither one of these are the pillars of obesity management. The pillars of obesity management are psychological therapy and support, pharmacotherapy for obesity, and bariatric surgery. And you can choose any or several of those, whichever, whatever is appropriate for your patient. And those three pillars support the outcome of having a better ability to adhere to a healthier lifestyle. And those two aspects of lifestyle are medical nutrition therapy and physical activity. So we don't use the word diet anymore because diet implies temporary. We know that obesity is a long-term chronic condition that needs long-term chronic care. So we don't want to have a temporary lifestyle change because if you stop it, the weight comes back. So we don't use diet. We say medical nutrition therapy and physical activity. And we do counsel on those things, but those are not the treatments in and of themselves. The treatments are the pillars psychological support, pharmacotherapy for obesity, bariatric surgery, and using those makes it easier to better, better gives a better ability to adhere to medical nutrition therapy and physical activity. That's great. I think that really is a new perspective and shifting us away from our kind of original focus where we would be talking to people about that foundation of diet, which isn't the right word to use and exercise as being the treatment and shifting to a focus on the root causes of obesity and enabling our patients to make changes in their lifestyle and their perceptions that will give them a higher chance of long-term success. So we've done these initial steps of asking, assessing, and advising. Where would we go from here with our patients? So the last two A's in the five A's of obesity are agreeing on goals with our patient. So we want to ask our, you know, first thing I do is, um, when I'm in the sort of counseling phases, I, I ask my, I ask, I say, Joyce, what, what are your, assuming she's, you know, opened up and is comfortable to talk about it, right? Is say, Joyce, what, tell me what your goals are in, in managing your weight. And she'll often say, well, I just want to feel better or I wanna be able to be more active or my, my kid's on a soccer team and I wanna be able to um, you know, run up and down the field with them. This is that values-based goal. It's actually part of the psychological treatment uh, part in that pillar of, of treatment of obesity. So we wanna find out our patient's why and then engage our patient in that. I will also supply or offer my own whys of why I would like to help her. I, I would like to help you to feel better. I want to help you achieve your goals. I would also like to help you to improve your management of your diabetes and your control of your diabetes. And I think we can do all this together with this strategy. So we want to agree on goals. We want to agree on realistic expectations for weight management as well. Uh, help our patient understand it's a long-term condition. It's not a temporary treatment approach. This is the long, the long show, just like it is for diabetes, right? And then finally, we want to assist our patient in achieving the goals that we've set up 
helping them overcome any barriers they may have in, in their life or any challenges that we've identified in order to set them up for the best success. That's wonderful. I really love this perspective and very positive approach to moving forward with the patient. So we've learned about the five A's, including ask, assess, advise, agree, and assist. And that's really what we're here to do is to assist our patients with making positive changes in their lives and their health. So Gail, now that we've learned all of this wonderful information about weight-inclusive care, is there anything that you can take back to your next encounter with this patient? I think this has been terrific. Thank you so much, doctors. This is fabulous. I can't wait to meet Joyce again and, and chat with her. And, and some of the ideas, very specific ones that came to my mind is first of all, ask permission. We know to do that, but just to, to make sure that you're doing it on her terms. And I'd love the idea about the no bias because we do, we all have biases. And I never really thought about her, Joyce's internal bias that she's, how she sees herself. So I think that's really something that we, we could explore. And the knowledge, I love that word you've said, elevated body weight. Forget that word obesity, okay? That is fabulous. Elevated body weight. I have to remember that one. And the other thing is about the three pillars and that whole attitude, as Sarah was mentioning. I think that's absolutely fabulous. The way to, to look at it now, forget the, the, the medical management and, and the physical, that kind of stuff, but let's use the right words up front. Look at those three pillars and really look at the why and help her with why and what she, where she wants to go. But your words, your conversation has been terrific to help me, Sue, to open this conversation to help the patient. So thank you so very much. I'm, I'm excited to go back and chat with Joyce. Well, I'm excited for you. I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. This was a lovely conversation, Gail. Thanks for giving us that real world perspective and Sue for sharing your knowledge. It was a great conversation and hopefully everyone has learned something that they can take back to their practice tomorrow. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having us today, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. If you have questions about the episode or about becoming a member of the Diabetes Canada professional section, please email professional.membership at diabetes.ca. Special thanks to Adam Humphreys for providing the music for today's podcast. 